0: I grumbled, and cursed Simon for going on one of his insanely early morning runs. I dragged myself out of bed, threw on my dressing gown, shuffled across the landing, and quietly opened bedroom doors to check on the sleeping kids. However, one door always remained closed, because I still couldn't bring myself to open it. One day at a time, I told myself. One day at a time. I went down to the kitchen and filled Oscar's bowl with that hideous-smelling tinned meat he'd wolfed down in seconds. But when I turned to put it on the floor, I was alone. Oscar? I whispered, not wanting the kids to barrel downstairs just yet. Oscar! I found him in the porch, pacing in an agitated fashion by the front door. I opened it to let him out for a wee, but he stayed by the doormat, staring out towards the woods down by the lane. Please yourself. I sighed. Annoyed he'd woken me up for nothing, I traced back to bed to steal another precious hour of sleep for myself. 7.45am. Leave your brother alone and help me feed Emily, I warned James, who roared as he chased an excited Robbie around the kitchen table with a plastic Tyrannosaurus Rex. Now, I warned. They knew they were treading a fine line when I used that tone. Moving the kids from bedroom to bathroom to kitchen was like chasing reluctant chickens back into a henhouse, as frustrating as hell. Some of the school mums claimed to love the chaos of family breakfast together. I just wanted my rabble out of the house and into the classroom for some peace and quiet. James poured his younger sister a bowl of cornflakes as I cut the crusts off their Marmite sandwiches and packed their lunchboxes. Then I slathered Simon's in Branston pickle, sliced the bread horizontally as requested, and wrapped them in cling film and left them on the fridge shelf. "'You've got fifteen minutes until we go,' I warned, and stuffed their lunches into the carelessly hung satchels on the coat rack. I'd long given up leaving the house with a full face of makeup on just to take the kids to school, but to make sure I didn't look like a scarecrow, I scraped my hair into a ponytail and stepped back to check myself in the mirror. Oscar yelped as I trod on his paw, I hadn't noticed that he'd been oblivious to the breakfast bedlam and hadn't moved from the doormat. Are you feeling poorly, boy? I asked, and bent down to scratch under his beardy chin. I'd give him until the afternoon to perk up, and then perhaps I'd call the vet, just to be on the safe side. 9.30 a.m. With James and Robbie at school and Emily quietly playing on the sofa, I was up to my elbows ironing Simon's work shirts and singing along to boys to men's End of the Road on the radio when the phone rang. Simon's not here, I told Stephen when he asked to speak to him. Isn't he with you? I'd presumed he'd taken his work clothes with him in a backpack and gone straight to the office after his run like he often did. No, he's bloody not, Stephen snapped. He could be a real grumpy sod when he wanted to be. I've been trying to convince the client I've been stalling for half an hour that even though we're a small company, we're just as professional as the majors. How can he take me seriously when half of us can't even turn up for a hotel breakfast meeting on time? He's probably lost track of the time. You know what he's like sometimes. When you see him, tell him to get his arse down to the Hilton quickly before he screws this up. I will, but if you see him first, could you ask him to call me, please? Stephen muttered something unintelligible and hung up without saying goodbye. I was glad I wouldn't be in Simon's shoes when he did turn up. 11.30 a.m. Seventeen ironed work and school shirts and two cups of coffee passed by before I realized Simon hadn't called me back. I wondered if Stephen and I were mistaken and that he hadn't been for a run but actually had a meeting of his own to go to. But when I popped my head around the garage door, his Volvo was still parked there. Back in the living room, his house keys sat on the record player lid. Above them, a montage of photos from our 10th wedding anniversary party hung from the wall. As another hour went by, a niggling doubt began to irritate me. For the first time in almost 20 years, I couldn't feel Simon's presence around me. No matter where he was or how far we were apart, I always felt his presence. I shook my head to make the doubts disappear, And scolded myself for being daft. Too much coffee, Kitty, I told myself, and vowed decaf was the way forward. I put the coffee jar back in the cupboard and sighed at the mountain of washing up waiting for me. 1 p.m. Three and a half hours after Stephen's phone call, and I felt jittery. I'd called the office.